Okay, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're in Proverbs chapter 12. We're in Lesson 17. Okay, let me remind you, we are in a section of the Proverbs that basically is just a collection of individual Proverbs. These are Proverbs from Solomon, King Solomon, and these are individual Proverbs. So, and again, so you're going to see that one topic is jumping to another topic within a verse or a verse or two. And you'll see that they cover a lot of topics. They'll even cover similar topics over and over, like speech, for instance. Character is another issue you'll see. Retribution or what will happen later on as far as rewards. And you'll see very similar things over and over again. So let's take a look. First thing we're going to look at in verse 7, we're going to see the issue of security with reference to security of a believer. So look with me at verse 7 of chapter 12. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. So here's what we see. Whereas the wicked are overthrown, the righteous are stable in times of trouble. Whereas the wicked are overthrown, the righteous are stable in times of trouble. Now, you can take this verse in two ways. You can take this verse from a perspective of now, or you can take this verse from a perspective of later as far as the eternal. So let's talk about for the eternal for a moment. Ultimately, the wicked will be overthrown when? Anybody know when the wicked will be overthrown? Yes, at the judgment. When Christ comes back, the judgment, they'll be overthrown. And will they, what will happen to them then? You know, they'll be cast in the lake of fire. So, they're, you know, so basically that's it for them. Now, for the righteous though, when the day of judgment comes or when Christ comes, we'll be able to what? Yeah, we're going to stand. We're not going to have to be fearful of anything. So that's the eternal perspective. Now let's talk about it from a everyday perspective. This verse also has an implication for everyday. When trouble comes upon the wicked, what happens to them? Okay, they have nowhere to go. They have nobody to go to. That's good, Tom. Anybody else? How, what's their demeanor? They blame God. They lash out at God. Do they have any hope? Do they have stability in their life? No, they're all panicked, aren't they? But when you take a righteous person, the house of a righteous are stable, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are exempt from everything else that happens but they are able to respond to what happens because they have what? Hope. They have Christ. See, so you can see where it has a present reality in this verse, but it also has a far reality that is an eternal reality. All right, look at verse 8 now. Let's look at the issue of wisdom. A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of a perverse heart will be despised. So here's, here's the thing. Praise is for sound judgment and hatred is for those with distorted thinking. Praise is for sound judgment and hatred is for those with distorted thinking. So you take a man of wisdom and oftentimes you'll hear people, they will commend that kind of person, won't they? Well, you know, you should go talk to so-and-so because he's, 
he, he has a lot of common sense or he has a lot of wisdom. He can help you in that situation. Isn't that true? Isn't that what we say? But then you take somebody, the Bible says perverse, another way of saying it is distorted. You take somebody whose thinking is perverse or distorted, they actually become not an object of commendation, they become an object of condemnation. Hatred is given towards them. So, for instance, you think about in your mind right now, as you think about our culture today, and as you think about the icons up there, out there of smut, of garbage, the purveyors of what's wrong in our culture today. What kind of an attitude do you think you have towards them? Do you like them? No. No, not at all. You, 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 you look at them and you wonder, my goodness, what's going on here? You know, so there's, there's actually, so Proverbs is actually very accurate there. Now look at verse 9, we're going to talk about the issue of humility. Better is the one who is slighted but has a servant than he who honors himself but has no bread. So here, notice what he says, the issue of humility. Being a nobody is better than living beyond your means for a show. Being a nobody is better than living beyond your means for a show. Now that's so anti-cultural today, isn't it? Isn't that anti... That just goes to the grain of everything you see on TV. It goes against the grain of even what we even promote in our church culture today. How many want to be a nobody? Nobody wants to be a nobody. But notice what, what Solomon is saying here. It's better to be a nobody, and he even goes so far, notice what he says, it's better to be a nobody, one who is slighted, but has a servant. So here you are, you're a nobody, but you have some things. Then one who honors himself, that is one who's lifting himself up, promoting himself, you know, and what? Lacks bread. He doesn't have any, he doesn't even have anything to eat with. I'll never, you know, I, when I was in college, first couple of years at Liberty, I'd go home for the summer and work at a furniture store in Columbia, South Carolina. And I used to go there, and what I would do is I, I, I would go down to the basement and put furniture together, and every once in a while, because I was a big boy, they would take me on a repossession. Columbia, South Carolina, right next to it is a major fort, a major training base, Fort Jackson. In comes a colonel, full bird colonel. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. He makes lots of money. He's an important guy. He's Got people looking up to him, listening to him, jumping when he says jump, everything. He comes in to buy some furniture. My mom's the credit manager. When you buy furniture there, first of all, it doesn't make sense because Kimball's is a low-end furniture store. You understand what I mean by low-end? They're geared towards the lower-income people of Columbia. So first of all, here comes a full-bird colonel to buy furniture in our store. That doesn't even make sense. When they do his credit history, he's owing everybody. He's delinquent. See, that's what Solomon is talking about here. It's better to be a nobody and have something than to be a somebody and live beyond your means. To be a somebody and live beyond your means. Listen, I, I know this because sometimes we get so defeated because we think, God, I want to do something for you. 
And where am I at? What am I doing? Who am I? I don't have education, or I don't. I mean, I'm not where I thought I would be. That's not the issue in the scripture. The scripture actually says it's good to be a nobody. Do you understand? It's good to be a nobody. So the issue there is humility. Now look at uh, excuse me, compassion for animals. Now uh, look at verse ten. This isn't a hunting verse. Okay, look at verse 10 here. A righteous man regards the life of his animal. This has to do with a farmer. But the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So I want you to notice what he's saying here. This is talking about those who who tend animals. All right? Compassion for animals is an indication of one's character. Some of you have grown up in a rural context in the sense of you grew up on the farm or you presently live on a farm or you know people who handle animals and so forth. You can tell a person's character by the way they treat their animals. You understand what I'm saying? You can tell a person's character by the way they treat their animals. Because notice what Solomon is saying. The righteous man regards the life of his animal. What does he mean regards? He understands that as long as that animal's alive or is it growing, it's going to do something for him later on. He's going to care for that animal. Even if it's a mule, and in this culture, you know, a mule might take him somewhere or, or an ox might plow, he's going to care for that animal because it's going to affect him. But then notice something, what it says there. But the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Even the most tenderest moment of a wicked person towards an animal is a cruel act. That's his whole point. That's his whole point. So here we see compassion for animals. Okay, look at uh, verse 11 now. We're going to talk about diligence. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. Okay, again, we're talking about an agrarian culture here. But he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. So here, notice diligence. One ensures income through diligent work and not through unfounded speculation. One ensures income through diligent work. Can, can I be honest with you? I, I'm going to give you some common sense here. This is what Solomon's talking about. In, in our everyday plain language, this is what he means. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. You know what one of the biggest scams that's going on in our area right now that people are continually falling for? Just ask any of our ladies who work at a bank here. One of the biggest scams people have is, is you're told you won a lottery somewhere that you didn't even know you entered. It's a European lottery or an African lottery or some somebody from Africa just found you in the middle of nowhere. And here's the check. It's more than what it's worth. You were supposed to get, let's say you were supposed to get $50, but they sent you a check for 250 They want you to go cash it at your bank, deposit it in your account, actually. Send them back the 200 you get stuck owing the bank the whole amount plus whatever it was for the bounce check. Now you say, hello, are people that dumb? You better believe it. Lots of them in our area are doing that. Why? Because they forgot that income comes through diligent work 
And they chase after the frivolous. They chase after the frivolous. And you know what? It isn't just the down and outer who's doing it. It's smart people who should know better who are doing it too. So, can I be honest with you? If you didn't enter the lottery, chances are you didn't enter the lottery. See, here's the point. This is what Solomon is trying to tell you. Listen, there is so much wisdom here. You'll get farther ahead, he says, through working than chasing after a speculative dream. And you got, hey, look, you know, we could share stories all day long about people who chased after frivolous dreams who end up with nothing compared to one who, what, worked. You understand? Compared to one who worked. Okay, now notice now, boy, it's interesting. Right after the issue of diligence, he talks about the issue of prosperity. Look at verse 12. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. So notice something. The plunder of wicked people is desired by other wicked people. You ever notice that? The stuff wicked people gather to themselves is the stuff that what? Other wicked people want. Isn't that interesting? And remember now, and isn't it interesting because Proverbs says this kind of thing. Proverbs will say that the person who lies in wait for someone else will be entrapped by his own actions. Remember we talked about that earlier in the first chapter? Solomon was giving that warning to his son not to get involved with wicked people because as they lie in wait to rob and kill others, they themselves are caught by their own, by their own actions. They themselves are caught by their own actions. You know, that actually happened this week. I don't know if you've read the paper. I won't mention any names. But somebody, a couple girls wanted to rob a quick field. I think it was over maybe in the next county or something. How many of you heard this story? All right. So they, they decided they wanted to rob something. So the, here they are. They're devising evil plans to go rob something. So they go into the quick field store with a knife. And surprise, surprise, the attendant's a big guy and he throws her up against the wall and she cuts her face with her own knife, runs out to the car where her friend is waiting there to drive away a standard vehicle she doesn't know how to drive, opens the door, busts out half one lens of her glass, smashes the door in her face trying to open it, busts out one lens of the glass. They drive away for a little bit until they figure out that their friend can't drive the car and then they switch and of course they get arrested. Sounds like a classic illustration of Proverbs, huh? Well, on Hardy, yeah, that's, that's an act too, okay. No, no, I, I saw she, uh, they waved their, you know, they waved their hearing. But I mean, so, you know, they admitted, like, holy cow, man. Okay. Uh, here's my point. Wicked people do the craziest stuff, don't they? And we laugh at it. But it's a living illustration of Proverbs. And so here Solomon is telling us that the plunder of the wicked people is desired by other, other wicked people. The plunder. Then notice something here. Let's go on. The righteous person, though, a righteous person is like a plant whose root causes it to be green and bear fruit. A righteous person is like a plant 
whose root causes it to be green and bear fruit. So, a righteous person is like a plant. Now, some of you are gardeners here. Brad's a gardener. My wife's a gardener. Some of you others have these wonderful gardens. And you're always tilling the soil and you're always doing all this, you know, making sure that it has air to breathe. Why? So you get those roots to go down deep, you know. And why? Because you know that's where this, where it's going to get nourishment and stuff. And it's going to bear fruit. It's going to bear fruit. Why? And here's the point he's making. Unlike the, you know, the wicked who gets what he can the way he wants to get it, the righteous person has stability. And with his stability, he what? He's able to bear fruit. Now, listen, you're not going to gain millions. But can I be honest with you? You don't want millions. I mean, I hate to say that. You don't want to win it. Because it'll destroy your life. It'll destroy your life. So can I be honest with you? If For those of you who do buy lottery tickets, if you happen to win it, it wasn't a gift from God. So don't get him bored. Chances are it was a gift from Satan. Because he'll destroy your life and your family and your marriages and everything. Just being honest. Let's go on. Speech now. Look at verse 13. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. But the righteous will come through trouble. So notice now. The righteous avoid evil talk because it is dangerous. Righteous people will avoid talking evil, talking about people, talking down to people. They'll avoid that kind of stuff because when you start engaging in that kind of speech, it's going to destroy you. So notice what he says. The righteous will come through trouble. What do you mean trouble? You know what? If you are a man of integrity or a woman of integrity with your lips, with your tongue, then when trouble stirs up, people won't, won't say, oh, well, you know, the so-and-so over there because you know how they were talking. No. They'll go right by you because of what? You were a man of integrity or a woman of integrity with your mouth. But then notice something here. The other part of it is this. The evil man is caught in his own words. The evil man, the evil person is caught in their own words. They're caught in lies. How many of you have had that kind of experience where, you know, you're dealing with somebody and they're not being forthright, they're not being honest, and so they'll say one thing to cover it up, and then here you find out that that's not true, and you catch them in lies. How many of you caught people in lies? And they keep lying. Because they don't know any better. Have you noticed that? They just keep on lying. One lie after another lie after another lie. And they lie about the lie. Why? Why? Because that's their, that's their nature. They, they don't know any better. Okay, look at verse 14. A man will be satisfied through with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. So here we're going to talk about prosperity. Hey, how many of you want to be prosperous? Raise your hand. I know some of you are afraid now because I said you're not going to win it. Don't win it, okay? How many of you want to be prosperous? Okay, everybody wants to be prosperous. Listen to what Solomon is saying here. Proper speech and diligent work result in good things. Here he's combining two thoughts. 
You want to be prosperous? Be a man and woman of your word. Be a man and woman of integrity with your lips. You want to be prosperous? Be a man and woman who is diligent with their hands. Did you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, there's, there is more satisfaction with laying your head down on your, on your pillow at night when you realize you did what you could do and all that you could do. There's more, there's more satisfaction with that than, than worrying about how big your bank account is. There's more satisfaction with being a man and woman of your word than being a man and woman who doesn't keep their word. And who's always worrying about, well, what if so-and-so finds out that, you know, and that kind of thing. See, their prosperity comes from being a man and woman of integrity. What we're talking about here is an issue of integrity. Proper speech and diligent work. Like I said, there ain't no free lunch. Because somebody still got to pay for it. Does, does everybody understand that? There's no such thing as something free. You've got to earn it. You've got to work for it. You've got to be a man and woman of integrity. See, that's coming out of Proverbs over and over is that you and I got to be men and women of integrity. Men and women of integrity. Look now at verse 15 through 16. You know, talking about the issue of integrity, for years, I remember very distinctly, before I get to verse 15 and 16, as a young Christian, I was up in a, uh, the house was on Senate Street. I, was, I lived in the loft of a college ministry building. And I remember reading through the scriptures one day and saying to God, God, give me the wisdom of Solomon. I read that story and I thought, Lord, I want wisdom. Give me wisdom to understand your truth and communicate it. Here lately, though, I don't just pray for the wisdom of Solomon. I pray for the integrity of Job. Do you understand what I'm saying? I pray for the integrity of Job. As I get older, I, I, I begin, maybe it's the wisdom God gave me, I begin to realize that what's more important, not just wisdom, but integrity. And can I be honest with you, that's something that all of us need to pray for, is wisdom, but also that we have the integrity of Job. In fact, if you go downstairs to my office, on my computer, I sometimes will put notes and stuff, little sayings that I've heard I'll put there, or a reminder that I'll always forget to look at. But uh, I've got something there that says the wisdom of Job, no, the wisdom of Solomon and the integrity of Job. And that's what, that's what, that's what our focus needs to be. That's what he's talking about here in verse 14. All right, now look, look at verse 15 and 16. We're talking about wisdom now. First of all, at 15, we're going to look at the issue of advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Here, notice something. Here's what he's saying. People demonstrate their maturity by how well they respond to advice. Some of you know what I mean. Bruce, you're a manager of a, uh, of a business, a lumber yard, and let's say you've got a young guy who comes in, and, you know, you are, because of all your years in the business and everything, you are imparting to him wisdom about how to do his job. You know right off the bat whether or not 
He's going to get it or not by the way that he responds to what you're saying. Isn't that true? Because you're going to know right off the bat if he's going to listen. If he listens to you, you know that that guy's going to do well. But if that guy just kind of listens to you half and does his own thing, you know that later on you're going to have to give him a pink slip. See, this is what he's talking about here. How a person responds to advice demonstrates their maturity. In fact, notice how Solomon says in verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. A fool will think, it doesn't matter what anybody says to him, whatever he does is the right way. It may definitely be the wrong way, but the fool thinks this is the way to do it. But notice what he says about the wise person. But he who heeds counsel is wise. He who heeds counsel is wise. You want to tell the maturity of someone? Listen, watch how they respond to counsel. Watch how they respond to advice. And you'll see their maturity level. Look now at verse 16, the issue of insults. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. Those that are mature are able to handle criticism without responding irrationally. Those who are mature are able to handle criticism without responding irrationally. Again, you're looking at the issue of maturity here. A mature person, when he is criticized, will what? He'll handle it properly. In fact, Proverbs talks about that he'll cover his mouth. He'll hold his tongue. He won't speak out. But a fool, if he's criticized, how does he respond? Yeah, he gets defensive. He starts getting loud. He even starts attacking. You ever notice that? Hey, it sounds to me like a good principle to look at our political candidates about, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Because even now, you can't, you can't, can't observe anybody's actions today because that's a personal attack. So, be wise in who you select. So, look for wise people. A wise person will be quiet. A fool will respond what? Immediately. So, when you're in a situation and criticism rises up and a person immediately becomes defensive and starts speaking out and starts attacking, you need to mark it down in your mind. That man's a fool. That man's a fool. That woman's a fool. That's what Solomon's talking about here. All right, let's look again at verse 17. We're going to look at the issue of speech again. Actually, we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. Three different components of speech. First of all, in verse 17, we're going to look at a true and false witness. He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. A true witness, a true witness is reliable, whereas a false witness speaks nothing but lies. A true witness is reliable. Whereas a false witness speaks nothing but lies. Deceit comes out of his mouth continually. Deceit. Deceit. Alright, let's go on now. Look now at wounding and healing. Look at verse 18. There is one who speaks like a piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. All right, so notice here. Those who are wise 
do not cause harm by their reckless talk. Solomon is making a great point here. He says, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. You ever met somebody that every time they open their mouth, it's like somebody just stabs you? That's talking about what's coming out of their mouth. You, you have the ability. You have the ability to bring life or death to a person. Do you understand that? We've talked about this before in, in Proverbs. You have the ability by your words to bring life or death to people around you. Parents, grandparents, you know that your children are at, a, at a, an, impressionable, an impressionable age so that Listen, how you speak to them, what you say to them, they'll carry it the rest of their lives. See, your words can either bring healing or they can bring death. Your words to your children, your words to your friends, your words to your fellow believers in this room can either bring healing or death. You need to consider that. Because why do you think Jesus says later in the Gospel that every idle word will be brought into judgment? See, we don't take too seriously how we talk to people. Jesus does. Because in Proverbs right here, it says that your words are like either the piercings of a sword. So let me ask you something. Who have you cut down today with a sword this week? Who have you cut down? Think about that. Who have you cut down? Yeah, you, I know, maybe it came out of a moment of anger or something, but who have you cut down? Who have you sliced up this week? Other question is, who have you brought healing to with your words this week? See, words are powerful. Words are powerful. You know, I didn't realize that. You know, just here in the last couple months, somebody misunderstood me took what I said and misunderstood what I said just in the casual conversation. I was just making small talk. And that my words, whatever they were, hurt them. And I had to go and apologize to them. Say, oh, that's not what I meant at all. And the apology was accepted. But it made, you know what it did for me? It made me realize I need to be careful what I say. Because your words were either what? Yeah, they'll either, they'll either destroy or they'll lift up. That's what Solomon is saying here. So he's saying there is a person, and maybe you've got somebody in your mind who's like that. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's somebody you work with. They're always, their words are just like, as soon as they open their mouth, it's like a sword comes out. Just jabbing. But a righteous person, a wise person, notice what it says, a wise person, verse 18, the tongue of the wise promotes health. The tongue of the wise promotes health. The tongue of the wise promotes hell. Look now at the issue of truth and lies. Verse 19. The truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Wow, isn't there some truth there? Look at what he says. Truthfulness outlives lies forever. A lie is just for a moment, isn't it? A lie is just for a moment. But truthfulness stands forever. Truthfulness stands forever. Okay, let's look at the issue of plans now. He's going to jump off to another subject here. 
Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But counselors of peace have joy. So here, notice the issue of plans. Deceit characterizes the wicked, but joy comes to people who work for peace. Deceit characterizes the wicked, but joy comes to people who work for peace. Look at verse 21 now, the issue of security. No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the evil shall be filled with, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. So here notice something. The righteous experience joy and protection, whereas the wicked experience trouble. Let me ask you a question. Just from what we've read today, what do you think we should be pursuing in our life? Evil? How about righteousness, huh? Sounds to me to be more like a stable position, isn't it? And you know what I mean? Look at the people who are doing wrong. They are insecure. They are afraid. They live in fear. Fear of being found out. Fear of everything that they're working for being taken from them. Fear, fear, fear. They are dominated by fear, aren't they? And you know what? Then ultimately, in the end, their fear is realized when they stand before the great judge. Okay, let's let's go on now. We're going to finish up the last two verses, 22 and 23, again looking at the issue of speech. First of all, the issue of truth. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. Here's the point. Truthfulness rather than falsehood pleases the Lord. God's delight is in you and I when we are men and women who have lips that speak truth. God delights in that. Can I be honest with you? The word abomination is a very strong word. It's disgusting to God to see people who are marked by lies. God is disgusted by that. That is disgusting to Him. You know it's disgusting to us, isn't it? How much more so is it to God? Lying is disgusting to Him. But truthfulness, if you're a person who is marked by truth, He delights in you. Then look at verse 23, the issue of discretion. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of a fool proclaims foolishness. So here's what it says. A wise man is not anxious to show his knowledge, but a fool blurts out folly. So listen, here's what wisdom is marked by. A wise person doesn't go around telling people he's wise. You just kind of find out. A wise person is very silent about it. And at a key moment, he will share wisdom with you. Now a fool, he'll tell you anything. He's got an opinion about everything. He may not know nothing, but you wouldn't know that from a fool. A fool will speak without any knowledge of anything. He'll just speak. And what does, he, what does it say? He speaks folly, foolishness. You, you know what I mean? You ever notice that? That's why, you know, long, early in my ministry, we had a, I was uh, early in my life as a Christian, again, in that house on, on Senate Street in Columbia. Half of the top four was guys, the other half was girls. Well, there was a guy that I roomed with. He never talked very much. 
But when you did, you listened. Because there was always wisdom there. Now foolish people always talk and talk and talking. But if you've got someone and you know they're quiet and when they speak, you listen. Because usually when they speak, they have something profound to say. Something that you need to pay attention to. But a fool will just beat you down verbally with all his stuff. Leave your head spinning. What's the truth? Because all that comes out of their mouth is foolishness. See, here's the point. There's another point besides discretion in this verse. It's the control of your what? Of your tongue, of your mouth. The control of your tongue in your mouth. Because a fool will burst out, tell you something immediately. A wise person will what? Remain silent. Now, listen. In fact, I've seen this happen. I'll use Gary as an illustration. Gary and I and Bruce are in a conversation. No, Bruce is not going to be a fool. Neither is Gary. Okay? But let's say we're discussing an issue. Gary's just listening. A wise person, let's say I'm the the person who's listening. I've got the... A wise person will realize there's wisdom there. And I may say to Gary after our conversation is over, Gary, I couldn't help but notice that there's something on your mind. Tell me what you think. Then, because Gary realizes I'm interested, he what? Shares his wisdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because here's the point. A wise person knows, like remember, we already talked about this earlier. A wise person knows that you don't share wisdom with a fool. Don't share wisdom with a fool. You might as well just throw it down the toilet. Throw it out in the street. That's why a wise person doesn't speak very quickly. A wise person considers who they're talking to. A wise person considers who they're talking to. And if a wise person recognizes that that person is teachable, then they share. But a fool, does he have any regard to wisdom or maturity? No, he just says what he wants to say. That's the point Solomon is making. So, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to close here. Let me just give you one thought. Do you want to be wise? Several things have come out of our passage today. What are they? Guard your mouth. Guard your mouth. In all areas. And we've talked about a lot of areas with our mouth today, haven't we? What else do we need to know? You want to be a wise person? Be teachable. Listen to the wisdom of others. Listen to the wisdom of others. And can I be honest with you? As you are younger... You don't think anybody knows anything that are older. But as you get older, you realize the grayer the hair, the more wisdom there is. But some folks, because they're old fools too. They're old fools too. All right, let's close our time in prayer.